Live from the heart of Lincoln, America. Welcome to Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Hello, hello, hello. You guys hear me all right? You good? Yeah. You good to go? Yes, you hear me? Yep, yep. We're back. We're back with the Doan Project, Swing, Swish, and Serve. As you can see, my counterparts are actually absent today. So um, today it's Swing, Jump, and Jump Higher uh, for right now. So we got two gentlemen from the Doan Track Team joining us today. As always, you can tune in on Allo Channel 961, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, you know, all of the live streaming services and text in at the Sarder Heyman Hotline, 402 464 Five six eight five. You can also call that number as well. So, gentlemen, um, people here are kind of familiar with me. I golf at Doan University, and this is kind of the the you know little project that we do to introduce the Nebraska population, the ninety three point seven, the ticket viewers to uh, small town athletics and small college athletics. So, could you guys just give me a little introduction of yourself and what you do at Doan University? So, Zach, I'll have you go first. Yeah. Uh... My name is Zach Turner. I'm a uh, senior accounting student at Doan, part of the track team, uh, hurdler, sprinter. Um, obviously been a part of the team for a few years now, so got a pretty good grasp on what we're doing. Uh, yeah. Um, do you want me to go more in depth on that? Or um, just, just kind of leave it talk, at that? Talk about your other, or just list your other obligations on campus that you're kind of a part of. Yeah, so obviously accounting courses take up a little <laughs> bit of time, but also in a uh, Delta Kappa Pi fraternity, uh, treasurer for them. I uh, do tutoring on campus, um, counting tutoring, and a couple other courses. Uh, beyond that, also on the SALT team, student-athlete leadership team with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a few of my commitments. Mr. Carter, how about yourself? Uh, I'm Carter Reckling. Um, I'm an ag business major, senior here at Doan as well. On the track team, uh, I do high jump. Um, I'm part of D- DKP as well, and then FCA and Ag Business awesome. clubs. So awesome, fantastic! So, what events do you guys run or perform in track and field? Uh, I'm I myself. So hurdle all the hurdles: sixty hurdles, one ten hurdles, four hundred, four by four relay, two hundred, four hundred. So mm-hmm. all the good stuff. What is your favorite out of those? Oh boy, definitely. I don't know. One of the the hurdles I kind of like them all equally. The four hundred obviously is a little bit more painful, yeah. But uh, no, they're all fun. Pretty, I like the shorter ones too. They're a little bit more intense, and that's fun. So mm-hmm. yeah, Mr. Carter, how about yourself? Uh, I just do high jump. Uh, I used to do the four by four, but I gave that up. So okay, awesome. So now strictly high jump. You're yep. just mastering your craft now, senior year. Yes, sir. Trying to <laughs> trying your best. So you guys are originally both from Crete, correct? And so. Tell us, it'll probably be a little more straightforward, but tell us your journey um, to Doan and maybe growing up around the area, how Doan has become, you know, kind of very central to you and home in a sense. So I'll have, let's do Carter first. Carter, do you, do you have any comments or just tell us your journey getting to Doan? Yeah. So basically, I mean, I knew Ed since probably fifth grade. So that was probably a pretty good connection. I mean, he helped me with high jump in seventh and eighth grade. And then as I uh, got older, I, uh, jumped with them uh during the indoor season my sophomore and junior year then COVID obviously so me and Ed had a pretty good relationship as well as Zach we used to hang out a lot so that's probably what got me to down the most yeah and Zach and Ed Fi, as people might remember over our Christmas break that's why we've been in a hiatus for so long for swing swish and serve uh Zach 
and Zach Fye and Ed Fye, the head coach of track at Doan, were both on here, and Zach has its own show on 10 o'clock Wednesdays after ours. Mr. Zach, how about yourself? I'll take it back a little bit further, actually. Uh, Carter and I go way back before that, just mess around at his parents' place out in the country, you know, like shooting BB guns, doing doing different stuff like that. So if you would have told me then that we'd be on a radio show right now, mm-hmm. I would definitely not have believed you. Talking so, about your, your accolades. Yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, keep going. Yeah, and then kind of the same way with knowing Ed Fire, our coach, uh, through flag football and obviously good relationship with his son, Zach one of the best friends growing up and everything like that. So yeah, Ed, Ed, I mean, we all love him obviously, and we are both comfortable with him and decided to come to Doan. So the fact that we're all, a lot of the Creek guys are still together and on the track team and around mm-hmm. Doan is pretty cool. Yeah. You know? I find it, uh, he, he really likes recruiting from the area. And I mean, you guys are bred to be really talented athletes and very respectful people out off, on and off the track. So he's doing a fantastic job going on, about Coach Fi, what is your favorite attribute, and kind of go into detail about what makes him such a talented coach? I know you guys are part of the team that actually won nationals three years ago now, so this is this will be fourth season since. So yeah, three years ago, your guys' freshman year. How was that? And uh, just describe, you know, Ed's role in that process. You want to go ahead? Yeah, I can go ahead. Um, I'd just say like the relationships that he wants to build. And um, just trying to be get you to become, like, a great young man in, like, life after track and, like, going to class, doing the little things right. And um, for the championship team, I'd say the biggest thing is building relationships, making those connections, and just going out there every day and competing your hardest, probably. I would kind of agree exactly with that. I mean, the relationships is something that he and the other coaches talk so much about, building those relationships, and it's a real thing, so... Uh, I think it starts with Ed, obviously, with how he's able to do it. Um, and I honestly don't know if I know anybody as good at building relationships as Ed. So, you know, it's it's pretty cool um, being around him. But, yeah, just having being able to spread that throughout the team, you know, coaches, athletes, it's pretty pretty special. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and he really he really does make a uh, a very good relationship with the students and the the track athletes. From what I hear, I believe your guys' incoming freshman class this year was over eighty. Or around that number, maybe around seventy. Both boys and girls, probably. Yeah, both boys and girls. Yeah, but that's fantastic for your guys's for the size of our school and just the attraction that he gets. I mean, he he recruits a lot from small town Nebraska, but there's a lot of hidden talent there. So, um, going back to you know your guys's events, tell tell the viewers like what a normal practice. Run me through a normal practice uh, with your specific event in mind. How does that look as opposed to you know stuff the group does? Yeah, I guess I can start off. Um, so hurdle-wise, there's five of us now, five hurdlers, so that's kind of cool. Last year it was just two of us, which is kind of a fun fact. So, yeah, last year me and Ashton Sagehorn were the only two. So, yeah, now there's a few more guys, which is fun. But, uh, yeah, that's not not the question. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we get there, do the team warm-up at four with whoever's there, and then we go into our individual hurdle warm-up, going over hurdles, doing our – wall drills kind of getting our form right and warmed up and then yeah we'll do block starts whatever hurdle training there Mm -hmm. is you know nothing too intricate but does it seem to be based or you does it like the practices circle around 
what you need to work on specifically, or is it a more regimented, whatever Ed kind of assigns your guys' specific event for that section or that practice? Yeah, the, I mean, it's kind of a mixture of both. I mean, we obviously have the drills and things that we do that work, you know, whether it's, you know, building up our acceleration or quickening, getting quicker between the hurdles or working on over top of the hurdles. We like have different things that we've been doing for a while that works on each of those things. But kind of like you said, if somebody needs a little bit more work on their block start, you know, Tim Jasnock, who's our hurdle coach or Ed, well, you know, sometimes we'll just do different things based on what we need. Kind of like you said. So yeah, a little bit of both. Carter, you want to touch on what the high jumpers kind of do? How many How many are in your group right now? Uh, six or seven. Last year was only three, and then we had Cooper. So, yeah, we expanded quite a bit. And I get the lucky ability to have Ed as my event coach, so that's nice. But um, we just normally warm up, and then um, we'll either do technique stuff, which is drills, or we'll go ahead and jump. We'll jump once a week probably, and then <clears> – <throat> After that, you go lift, maybe maybe do a little running, and then go see Kelsey, probably. So, Yeah, and so with yours, I know you touched a little bit earlier in the week uh, talking to me about it. You guys analyze a lot of videos. Oh, yeah, I um, forgot about that, too. Yeah. yeah. So, so tell us about the technology integration that goes into, like, track and field practice or just track and field as a sport. Mm-hmm. So I guess Ed or whoever's there will normally video uh, for meets especially. And then we'll go over uh, film on Monday and kind of break down what you need to do a little bit better, what you did pretty good that meet. And then I guess we've kind of started doing that in practice too. So just like on the iPad or his phone or whatever he's ha- he has available. So was that Would that be the case with hurdles as well? Do you guys utilize video as much as they do? Yeah. it. Uh, I guess my younger first two years, we didn't do it as much because uh, Jazz, Tim Jaznock, he – was the only hurdle coach at that time. So to like start us, you know, and we didn't, he wasn't able to start us and record. Uh, so we now have Logan Hammond, who's our second hurdle coach, who actually was a hurdler with me as well. Um, he's graduated, but he's a coach now and he kind of takes the video for us now, which is a huge help. So, yeah. Awesome. So as a golfer, I'm on a team of 20 people and that that's pretty large for a golf team, but for, you know, a normal golf team is like 12, maybe 15 people at max for a normal college of our size. With you guys, how many how many people are actively track and field at practice, whether running or not, every day? Men's and women's combined or? Yeah, let's do men's and women's oh combined. Oh boy, probably I would say like 100 and what, 140 or? Yeah, that's what I'd say, 140, yeah. So could you guys go into detail about, you know, the challenges you face with having a big group like that, but also the upsides to having a massive group, especially a close group that Ed kind of assembled? Yeah, I can, um, that's definitely, definitely one of the bigger challenges you face, I feel like with any track team, it's like (laughs) kind of getting that culture and everybody to gel um, to a certain extent. But I mean, what, how we kind of do it is just focusing on your individual event groups. Um, so, you know, I've got a pretty good idea on what the hurdlers are doing, but there's no way I can know what the, the throwers are doing, you know, something like that. So having it kind of like a divide and conquer, you know, we have we have leaders all over the team, you know, so I feel, feel like having reliable guys on each event group and, you know, doing it that way makes it a lot easier. So, Kurt, do you have anything to add about that? Uh yeah, we're we're very lucky cuz we got 15 coaches I think on the staff. So like to divide that up 140, I mean, you get your time and 
So like that, that's an easier way to break it down. I mean, and you got people always cheering for you and stuff. And then like, I'd say like one thing that's difficult is like probably like injury prevention or if you're injured, get into the training room. You kind of got to split that up since there's only one person there. But yeah, yeah. So with practicing and with that, you know, group dynamic, do you ever pretty consistently interact with different groups or is there different events that kind of clump close together? I know you guys. As, like as Cretans are very familiar with the triple jumpers and the long jumpers because there's a lot of Cretans in that pool. Um, but do you guys find that specific events like to meddle with other events and stuff like that? Yeah, for myself uh, and high jumpers, we kind of me and us and the triple jumpers go back sometimes, and then pole vaulters as well. But yeah, yeah, I would say I guess myself, I kind of like to build a little bit of a relationship with everybody as much as I can, I guess, and I think that. You know, I think everybody interacts with each other de- a decent bit, maybe more than you'd expect. I mean, I know a lot of the throwers super well. I mean, I, I feel like it, everybody's pretty interconnected, you know, for as big a group, like you were saying earlier. I think that it's pretty pretty tight-knit, so. Yeah, and with those tight-knit connections, do you ever see yourself, you know, looking at others who aren't in the same event as you, something that might not even relate that closely and still finding a way to improve yourself through what they do, whether that's, a performance or just attitude or just the way their work ethic and the way they practice. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I mean, somebody for like Zach, for example, he has great work ethic. He's disciplined. He does all the right things. I mean, you can go back home and look yourself in the mirror and say, I need to be a little bit more disciplined tomorrow or I need to work a little bit harder every day. Just something like that, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah. I mean, throwers, throwers is an event group that, you know, is as a whole is, putting in the work, you know, putting in extra work with whether it's lifting, you know, things like that. You know, you can definitely look at guys in each event and be like, okay, this guy's doing all the right stuff, you know, and I want to follow that lead. So, you know, and even if, say, if you didn't have somebody doing that in your event group, you're like, hey, this guy is successful in such and such event. Maybe I'm going to go do the little things like he's doing and, you know, be that guy for my event group kind of deal. Yeah, 100%. So, Zach, you are a captain of the track team. There's four men's captains, four women's captains, correct? Uh, five. Five. Yeah. Five and five. Yeah. Perfect. So what challenges do you see? What extra, you know, weight do you take on being having that captain title? Or even though it might not be spe- a specific role that you have, what do you see in a good captain that you want to, you know, exhibit and operate like? Yeah, so uh, first question was like, what, what pressure or mm-hmm, yeah, you know, what, what responsibility kind of responsibilities and then how do you operate as a captain? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's my second year as captain now. So, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think any of the captains think that it's like some, you know, high and mighty role. You know, we really are just doing the same, same exact thing as everybody else on the team, you know, just kind of uh, being a little bit more outspoken maybe with what we're thinking. And I think that kind of your second question, what, would you think of as you know traits of a good captain one would be uh putting in the work yourself and not you know not asking somebody to do something that <laughs> like you wouldn't do yourself i mean i feel like that's kind of step number one but i don't know being being vocal and you know voicing what your your opinions are but also taking a step back and listening to what others have to say i mean i think our meetings now are more not just on what we say it's kind of everybody on the team chimes in, which is, I think it's been a good thing. So, yeah. 100%. Car- Carter, what do you, 
want what you look for in a leader on a team like a track team where there's a lot of people do you want a person you can relate to or just a person that you know works hard are you looking for somebody who is performing well in their area or they don't have to be performing well as long as they're just a passionate leader yeah I, to be honest i don't i don't to me performance it matters but like if you show up every day with a good attitude and you're putting in the work and doing everything you can then i can't ask much more i mean Zach said it like <clears throat> everybody's chiming in, everybody's doing their part right now, and like that's all you can ask for personally. And like being disciplined, doing the little things right every day, and just building off days, mm-hmm. step by step. Exactly. We'd love to see it. We'd love to see it. So you gentlemen have had the opportunity to both qualify for nationals this year. How many years have? Can you or first off, let's because a lot of people might not understand the process with qualifying for nationals as track athletes because it's very different compared to you know other people other sports because you wait until your conference championship to actually qualify but mm-hmm. i believe did you how many meets in did you guys qualify and but before you answer that what is the process like for qualifying for nationals you want to yeah I, I can go uh i qualified the first meet and then so basically for high i guess every event you there's a a standard and a B standard. A standard is automatic. You go no matter what. And then a B standard is three teams get uh, B standards, and then you can take three men and women. So it'd be six total for the whole team. But so Awesome. So does that mean that every team has the opportunity if they have three people or even one person hit B standard, they have the opportunity to take that person to nationals? Correct, yeah. Awesome. And isn't it kind of depending on like, you know, obviously, if there's a uh, 25 B standards for a certain event, they might not be able to. A B standard might not be able to go, right? Uh, that- I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they can take as many as they want, but okay. maybe yeah. I, I'm not for sure. Interesting, interesting. So, Zach, how was your process of going of qualifying for nationals? Because I believe you qualified. Have you qualified this year? Yep. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, how many meets was that in? Uh, the Into first meet, December. First meet? Yep. Like I said, these gentlemen are studs on the on the track and field. So um, tell us about what benchmark you had to hit and tell us what you got. And then just uh, what's your history been with nationals? How many times have you qualified? Yeah, I have a, I have a, definitely a high and low journey with nationals myself. Um, freshman year, indoor, I hit uh, A standard for the hurdles and went ran horribly like ran almost a second slower than my pr which in a 60 meter race is terrible so that was kind of an experience for me i was like man i really gotta kind of lock in buckle down and you know get get after a little bit outdoor went in the 110s i got seventh and then sophomore year hurdles Uh, i guess i should also mention the four by four i've been on some good relay teams so indoor and outdoor my freshman year we got fourth i think both so sophomore year started to pick it up a little bit actually underperformed again in the 60 hurdles indoor nationals um and kind of from there i kind of started to figure it out with the hurdles you know that i think it's a lot of uh it takes a lot to take the step from qualifying to like actually going and placing or you know doing well at nationals you kind of say okay i'm qualified i'm in i've done this you look at the rankings it's like oh man i'm sitting whatever mm-hmm. but you know you get to the meet and it's like okay wow i actually gotta go do it so for me i kind of had a challenge of 
breaking through and, you know, being able to go and show up the day of and do it. But once you finally do it, it's kind of, you get more consistent with it. So, and then junior year, what was your performance at nationals? Um, junior, junior year, I got runner up in the 60 hurdles at nationals. Um, and our four by four, we got seventh. I had a unfortunate tumble on the lead leg. So that was my bad. If you other guys are listening, so sorry about that. But yeah. And then I got hurt. Uh, after indoor nationals and didn't compete outdoor. So, Carter, run us through your journey of getting through nationals and getting to the point where you are right now. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I've hit A every time for high jump. Uh, my freshman year, I went as alternate for 4x4. Four four. So, and then my career is a little different. Uh, freshman year was rough, and then sophomore was a little rough. Uh, I ended up placing seventh uh, my sophomore year, and then uh, indoor I had some uh, uh, dumb decisions outside of track, which hurt my indoor indoor performance. Then outdoor, I probably I was sitting third, probably put a little bit too much pressure on myself. So now, I mean, it's just go get it. There's not no pressure anymore. Yeah. So yeah, that's fantastic. That not your A game is still seventh in the nation. Yeah. For both both of you are still placing and doing consistently quality even though you feel like you're not at those like A games. And do you think that was more like your body or do you think that was more mental sharpness at that time? Definitely mental sharpness. I mean, that's the biggest barrier um national wise. I mean, myself I haven't had a problem with conference, but nationals it's like, oh, you're hearing so much about Oh, you're supposed to do this. So so and so is supposed to do this. You know, it's definitely a mental game. You know, it's it can be hard to just turn your brain off in the moment and just focus on what you need to do. Probably the hardest thing in track, in my opinion. And for you, Carter, for doing such like a brief event, which you would call it, where it's like four seconds of just mm-hmm. extreme focus, as opposed to you know running the four by four, where it's like I have to lock in for. 60 seconds right before I run to right when I hand the baton off. It's it's locked in a lot more. How do you find that being different? Because you said yourself you run you ran the 4x4 four four mm-hmm. and you also uh, did high jump. So take us through the differences between those two mentally and how you kind of came to choose high jump compared to 4x4. Four four. I, I mean, I just wasn't as talented in the 400, but <laughs> uh, I feel like the difference is like, the 400, it's a more of a want-to thing. If you want to go run as – you just go run as hard as you can, and that's all there really is to it, in my opinion. I mean, Zach can go ahead and talk about that. But high jump, yeah, you you got to get locked in for the moment, and then you just go jump. For me personally, I just I had to do visualization before and then just kind of just go get it. I kind of black out during my jumps. So I don't really know what's going on a lot of times, but just a lot of muscle memory, I guess. Yeah. Zach, do you have anything to add on to – you know, the difference between running longer distances as a p- compared to, you know, that six or 60 meter hurdles that, I mean, what was your most previous or what was your PR from this year? Uh, PR for the hurdles? Yeah. Um, so I guess my PR is a 7.90 from last year and I hit that again this year. Um, but um, so I guess... Your prior question about, I guess I'll start where Carter kind of did with uh, the 400. We have that in common, but 
like you said, that's like the race you hear about the 400, 800. It's like, man, that one sucks. You know, it's like, you just kind of have to, like you said, just have the want to and go do it. Um, and then you get down to like my race, the 60 hurdles indoor is super like, man, if you have a bad start, your race is done kind of. So it's definitely not like same as a high jump in that sense, you know, to the, to that extent to where it's so such a minute detail that you mess up and it messes everything up. But like, I definitely respect those events a lot more, you know, having noticed like, man, if I have a bad start and you're behind by only so much, you know, it's, that's a 10th of a second. So, yeah. Do you, um, well, actually I believe that once we get back, we'll cover how nationals, the environment is like, and then we'll go into injury because you brought that up earlier, but we're going to swing it to a little break right now. Remember, Text in 402-464-5685 and you can tune in wherever you can find, you know, live streaming services, Allo Channel 961. Back to the Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. All right, welcome back into Ticket Weeknights. I am Harrison Arns on the ones and twos. This is the Doan Athlete Project. And again, if you guys ever want to join the show, Sarder Heyman text line 402-464-5685. And feel free to put a face to the voice, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Allo Channel 961. I got a couple from the text line here. We'll start with this one from 7809, unknown texter. Question for Carter. I know that you guys are Doan athletes, but how does Nebraska football need to improve to get on the same level as teams like Michigan who just won the national championship. And if they think if you can answer this question, you guys get a head coaching job somewhere in the near future. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, that's the first thing I was going to say. Harbaugh's gone, so <laughs> Matt Rule's doing a pretty good job keeping players around, hitting the transfer portal. You know, honestly, he's just a good leader, too. You like the you you eat up those pregame speeches that go crazy on social media? Oh, yeah. The Mother's yeah. Day one. That oh, was pretty yeah. great. Oh, yeah. And he's, he builds relationships, too. Keep that in mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, KD, yeah. Did, KD did sign off on him. I don't know if you guys ever saw that tweet. Really? Oh, yeah. KD's I, a fan, so. Oh, yeah. I'm I in. saw that, too. Fantastic. Carter, okay. you got any thoughts on that one? I know. Are you a Nebraska Zach, fan? I, I'm a Nebraska fan. He's a Michigan fan. Yeah, so. Oh, okay. My bad. Oh, Maybe that's okay. why. Well, you're a Michigan fan. That's why yeah, I had exactly. your mic. Yeah, we actually we muted his mic so that he yeah. just can't give any Michigan takes. <laughs> but let's get to another one here uh, from another unknown texture eight two nine two. This is a good question. What traits make up some of the greatest competitors you've trained, played, slash ran with? Oh man, um, confidence. Extremely hard worker. Um. I mean, pretty, uh, you got to be able to look at yourself and say, Hey, I'm not, I mean, you got to be confident, but you can't also just always walk around and act like you're, you know, the top dog and not put in the work to do it. So I don't know. How do you balance that fine line? Because you know, like you said, you don't want to go in there thinking like, Oh man, I might not win today, but you don't want to be walking around thinking you're winning everything all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, I mean, for me, it's pretty easy to get humbled, you know, go up, go up to D1 meets and get, <laughs> you know, your doors blown off. So that's a pretty, pretty good way to stay humble. But I mean, I don't know, you just, my goal kind of myself is to like put in the right amount of work and preparation to where it feels like I'm just ready to go and win. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Zach, what does that look like for you in the golf world? Um, it, for me, it looks kind of, kind of different because you don't really get to 
see that grit that a lot of people, you know, get. Other than you know when you're playing match play, when you're in like a, a stroke play event where um, it, it's it's very isolated. You see those people who are just playing smart. They uh, they make the right decisions, and I think you know last year we were fortunate enough to win the last three tournaments of our postseason, and then got to go to nationals because of that. Um, and I think especially at our conference tournament, we were playing smarter than anybody any other team that I've seen. You know I've had the luxury of getting coached in high school and in college by two coaches who say play conservative, take the smarter route because it's going to win every time. And I really wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have enough experience with seeing that pan out until we actually went to conference and towards the final stretch when we're going neck and neck against a talented crew of, you know, Morningside in Iowa and Northwestern in Iowa, we're going head to head. And then I hit an iron off the tee. And the guy from Northwestern who is two strokes behind us and any of the guys in our group can make them or any of the guys on my team can make a mistake and end up flipping the script. Um, he takes driver and hits it long and then or hits it long of the fairway and then the bad lie hits it long of the green and then tries to do the hero play and chip it out and hits a tree and bounces down and just makes a triple bogey and ends up flipping the tides. And I was like, wow, I, I. On that hole, too, I hit it in the fairway. Then I hit the worst iron shot of my life, way right of the green. No angle to the green. I could hit it over a bunker, under trees, and um, maybe get it close to the green. Or I could just chip it to the right and land it on the largest part of the green. So I did that, took a smart bogey. And it's it's moments like those where it realized that, you know, those are the, the, the smart people are the ones you don't notice but still end up kicking your butt at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. What is the one spot when you're, when you're playing golf that when you look at the best golfers, they're masters in this part of the course. Is it the greens? Is it the drive right off the bat? Like, what's the one sweet spot that if you're going to be a pro golfer, you better have this part of the course down? That's so difficult because a lot of, there there's so many different um, like logical ways to approach golf and view different parts because now the driver is becoming very important in the golf yeah. game as opposed to, you know, you had that. Uh, saying drive for show, putt for dough, and now people are tossing that to the side because driving mm-hmm. is setting you up for everything. But then irons are the most common thing that you hit, and putting is fantastic. Um, but I think approach and around the greens are becoming, you know, the big thing. Where if you can be really delicate and put yourself in good spots, and we're really hammering home the mental side of things, where you pick the correct target and you don't go for pins every time. Uh, you aim for places where if you do miss, hit it it's going to end up pretty well and you're not going to lose that many strokes compared to everybody else. Um, but it's it's mainly the approach shots and the around the green stuff because then if you hit good approach shots, you don't have to worry about drives. But if you hit bad drives um, or if you hit good drives, your approach could still be messed up and it, it doesn't set you up for success. But if you're, if you're always hitting fantastic iron shots, it doesn't matter where you put your drive. It doesn't matter um, if you're putting well from... F- 30 or you're not putting well from 30 feet and out you don't have to worry about it because you're hitting it inside that no i'm always intrigued because that's that's one where if you're that's why i play for fun because i'll get too upset (laughs) if i try to master every little aspect of it but yeah you hear it all the time uh you know sometimes you win games on the greens but i like your take you're using your irons a lot more than about any other club and get a master about those uh when it comes to track i'm curious i noticed we heard what events you're in right now but if there was one event that you guys would absolutely love to try which one is that uh, I I would say uh, 
pole vault or triple jump. I tried to do multis for a little bit and uh, fell in hurdles and broke my elbows. So I don't, I don't really want to do that again. So I, I have a lot of respect for Zach, but I'd say pole vault or triple jump. You ever pole vault before? Uh, I did a little bit actually when I was trying to be a multi, and it was pretty fun. Okay, what was your high? Do you remember? Uh, no, I never com- I never made it to meet because I it was in practice before our first meet. Okay, I, so when I broke my elbow, yeah. All right, so pole vault. What about you? Uh, I would, I would kind of. I guess it's not an individual event, but the multi event, kind of getting a little bit of everything. So it's like pole vault, long jump, high jump. Oh, okay. Uh, hurdles and sprints. I don't know. I just thought it'd be cool to kind of train everything and see where we could do what we could do. Yeah, that'd be a good one. What about, do you think there's any events, like, if you're trying to draw crowds to track and field events, uh, which, you know, I think about one point in time is the biggest thing ever. You can find pictures. When track and field was going on, even here at Nebraska, that place was packed. Mm. Are there any events that you guys could create off the top of your head to get people back, those stands filled up? Because we used to do a thing in high school. Um, for use of better terms, we'll call it the thrower's relay. We had a different name for it, but it was a lot of fun seeing that one, just seeing the throwers go out there and try to run like a 400 relay. Uh, but is there any other events that you guys got that you think would be fun and also add to some of the spectatorship? I I would say that like one that, you know, track people talk about and just, you know, everyday people who have never run track talk about is I think that a ton of people would show up if you just had an event where you've got all your collegiate comp- competitors whatever and then you just got one average joe like say a 35 year old <laughs> yeah, I like that. you know like a 35 year old accountant or something give them know. the biggest head start possible like what they do in the outfields of football or baseball games where you just give them a massive head start and see how long it takes or how how long is the maximum oh like the freeze in mlb exactly yeah the freeze. that'd be a great one mm-hmm. Oh man, that'd be. Can you imagine what that looked like with like Usain Bolt if they got to that and even Ooh. in the Olympic level? Oh my god! Just goodness. get your average Joe. With those they guys. pull them from the crowd. You you all enter in a raffle at the beginning of the day. It's like whose knees are feeling up for it? Put your ticket in, and then like race against Zach Turner <laughs> and, oh, wow. and see exactly how how fast you are. Oh, very demeaning. I think it'd be fun. Something to consider. I like that idea. Um, one more from the text line before we get to our next break here. This one is from 8292 again. Uh, I'll use different words here. What are some of the activities you guys used to do in the Crete countryside? What were some of the hobbies growing up? I know hunting is a big one up there, but not everyone's kind of your hunting typical guys. What were the things that you guys enjoyed doing? Uh, I would say just like we'd go out mudding and stuff, hunting, <laughs> shooting guns, stuff like that. Maybe a beer here and there, but that's about it. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Probably all the stereotypical stuff. You okay. About small town stuff. Nothing too, nothing too crazy. Yeah, don't get it misconstrued. It's exactly what you expect. Yeah. It's no true. It's no, nothing more, nothing less. Love you, trucks. Yeah, you imagine it: trucks, mud, <laughs> cornfields, bonfires. It's a, it's a country song. That's, <laughs> that's Crete, Nebraska. Yeah. When you guys were in high school. Sounds like a good life. With that being said, we'll go ahead and throw it to break here. This is the Doan Athlete Project. Uh, and again, this will be the last one for Ticket Weeknight. So if you want to join the show, Sarder Heyman text line 402-464-5685. We'll throw it to break and talk to you guys on the other side. Back to the Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. And we are back with the Doan Project. Swing, swish, and serve, but a little, a little different this week. So uh, we're kind of getting close to the end. But I did want to cover, you know, Carter. You spoke about injuries and recovery, and I kind of just wanted to talk about in a sport riddled with injury. I, I mean, 
there's no program in the nation that doesn't have a few people out right now just because it's just so strenuous. So talk about the culture around injury on the team, what you guys do to prevent it, and what recovery looks like at a university like Doan. Yeah, um, I think a lot of it is not just kind of knowing your body, you know, uh, knowing when you're pushing it too hard, being transparent with the coaches, building that trust with them so they know that you're not just fluffing, you know. But also, shout out to Kelsey. I don't know if you're watching or listening. Kelsey uh, get keeps us right in the training room. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, to uh, piggyback off that, I'd say just like trusting the process as well. And like if you need to go into the training room, getting in there in the morning or before practice or after practice. Not, uh, a couple other things I'd just say, uh, drinking lots of water. I feel like it's probably underrated and getting sleep and then just trying to eat decently well. It's kind of hard as track athletes or college, not track athletes, but college athletes. And also knowing if you're injured, not being afraid to take your time and, you know, not try to rush back. Cause like if you're hurt and on the sidelines, you want to be back as soon as you can. So like knowing when you got to take your time. So you said you broke your elbow. You said you didn't specify the injury that you had uh, for the second half of your junior year. What happened and what was that process like with recovery? I had a stress fracture in my fibula. Fibula, yeah. A little bit. Um, on the outside, you're, yeah, right above the ankle. And yeah, it kind of, uh, I thought it was just like a little bump. I didn't think anything of it. And then trying to keep training on it, it progressively, progressively hurt worse and worse. And eventually found out it was stress fractures. So. Yeah. so, what was the, or how did you go about recovery and getting back to, you just tied your school record um, that you, and your PR. And so tell us about like that recovery and what you did to ensure that that continual success going forward. Yeah. At first I was of the mindset that I was going to be back for outdoor, you know, and like, I mean, I didn't really know how serious it was at first. So I kept trying to train on it and train on it and train on it. And, um, yeah, I just got to the point where I was like, okay, I re- realized I can't do this. And that kind of, that obviously sucked. But, um, from then I just kind of took my, couple months off because there's really not much you can do from there and then uh came back into it started to slowly slowly ease back into it um was healthy for the start of the season then I wasn't my foot started hurting Uh, I went to a good PT Adam Gensler and he got me right so you know um just kind of trusting the right people being in with the right people and they get you back on the track so and Carter, with your broken elbow, do you think it was pretty straightforward with recovery since, you know, you don't utilize that nearly as often with jumping other than, you know, the pumping of the arms, but. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I broke my elbow and then sprained my, my ankle as well, but my elbow wasn't that bad because it was before the first meet indoor. So I just took off all of, uh, December and then I was back for the first meet in January. So it wasn't terrible, but like seeing Kelsey really helped me out, get my mobility back and stuff and lifting. So, Yeah. And just a little squeaking, a little question here. What do you prefer, indoor or outdoor track? Outdoor. And why is that? Uh, I feel like outdoor is just like the, you know, how track is meant to be. And on the bigger track, weather most of the time is pretty good. Um, just, I don't know, it just feels like that's where, how track is supposed to be, kind of like I said. Carter? I would say outdoor as well. I like when it gets real hot, to be honest. <laughs> Makes it fun. Yeah. Work up a little sweat. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic environment being at a track. 
invitate or and just in invite in general. So I, I really enjoy it. You guys are back in action this weekend. You got some throwers going up to SDSU, but you guys will be in action in Seward at the Concordia invite. You're there a lot during indoors, and so they do a fantastic job at hosting. But I really appreciate you gentlemen tuning in. But thank you everybody for watching. Uh, Wednesday evenings, 10 to 11. Uh, those are the Done Project hours. Um, I really appreciate everybody and have a fantastic rest of your night.